This is the Action Network Podcast. All the work, all the talk, all the handicapping is done. It's time for history. They're all in line. We're ready for the start. They're off in the Kentucky Derby. Make another two lengths more. Back to win, win, win. On the turn, beginning to pick up stride near the back of the pack. As the field turns for home. And he bursts through an opening on the inside. Stride for stride. As they come to the final furlong. Keeps battling on. One, two, down to the line. An impossible result here. Wins the Kentucky Derby. And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zarillo, and this is the 2021 Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks Gambling Preview. I'm ready for the 147th run for the Roses. We've got a great podcast for you today, a great show. By the end of this, I hope that you will be able to take away some bets and some wagers and cash some tickets at the window. Now, what we've got planned for you today, I've got three guests who are going to help you handicap the race from a general perspective, power rank the horses in the field, help you build some tickets, and then finally, we're going to wrap this thing up with some consensus picks and tickets provided by our experts. Now, why should you stick around? If you haven't bet horse racing before, you might not be that interested, but you have found yourself to this podcast. So there's some things that you should know. Number one, Kentucky Derby, extremely profitable to bet on if you go about it in a smart way. Why is that? Every single year, there should be about five or six horses that are listed around 99 to one to win the Derby. No chance of winning, speed scores aren't high enough, form isn't good enough. Unless everybody falls off the board or just gets out of their way, they're not gonna win the race. And yet we haven't had a horse go off at 99 to one in 25 years. Why is that? People like to bet on numbers, people like to bet on fun names. There's a variety of reasons why anybody would bet on a horse. But when it comes to the Kentucky Derby, there's a lot of people who are just willing to plunk down money on something that interests them, which is all well and good. But if you go about this in a smarter way, you can certainly find expected value betting on the Derby and betting on some of the races leading into it. How do I know this? The payouts on Derby Day has been absolutely bananas. How bananas? Over the past five years, here's the payouts on some of the bets that we're going to be talking about today. A $2 Oaks and Derby double wager has paid out at an average of $381 over the past five years. High of $1,290. Again, that's for a $2 bet. And there's not a chance that you're going to be spending more than $50 on that ticket because you're unlikely to be pairing too many horses together between those two races if you want to find value. A 50 cent trifecta in the Derby over the past five years has paid out at $2,182. A 10 cent superfecta $3,108, and the coup de gras, the 50-cent pick five, which starts with the four races leading into the Derby and finishes with the Derby itself. Over the past five years, that 50-cent wager has paid out at $524,199. Two years ago, it paid out at $2.48 million because we had a few long shots come through during the sequence. But the fact remains, over the past two years, it's paid out at $70,000 each. And if you're willing to go about this in a smart way, you could probably find some value and get a huge return on investment for very low risk. Second reason, this is a really good learning opportunity. If you've never bet on horse racing before, there's a lot of similarities between horse racing and DFS. There's a lot of similarities between building a horse racing ticket and building DFS lineups. Basically, you're trying to build tickets that are going to return something on your investment 
but in a way that is contrarian to what other people are playing. So you're not necessarily going to target all the horses that you think are the most likely to win the race, but you can target the horses that you think are most likely to provide value relative to what other people are picking if they do win. Some of the ways to go about this, the same way that you would go about finding a DFS lineup. Take a look at betting odds. For horse racing in particular, there's some books that offer fixed future odds where you can get money you're down right now on a horse at a fixed price instead of betting their morning line odds, which might move before race time. Not only is that a really good way to analyze which horses you should be using in multi-race wagers, it's a really good way to evaluate which horses you might want to consider using in advance of the race in single race exotics, like Exactus, Trifectus, Superfectus. If you see a horse that's 50 to 1 on the morning line, but you go right now and look at their fixed odds and they're closer to 21, there's a good chance that that horse is not only receiving a lot of attention now, but also on race day as well. So there's a lot of informational advantages that you can use and a lot of things that you've probably done in the past where even if you haven't bet on horse racing before, you could probably gain an advantage going into Saturday and going into this race weekend. Be mindful, learn, have fun, and try to make a lot of money for a very minimal investment. I'm going to bring on Brian Patton here in a second, but before we do, I just want to recap everything that we're going to talk about with our next few guests and give you some picks that I've kind of compiled from the information that they gave me in addition to my own handicapping over the course of this week. So here's a few bets that if you just want to go ahead and get out a piece of paper or bring out your phone and jot these down, I would highly recommend it. I'm going to give you the names and the numbers of the horses. Mike Conti likes a bet Friday, race 5, 12.43 p.m. post time. The number one temple he likes is a win bet, and he likes that down to two to one or better. Five to two is also preferred. Friday, race 11, which is the Kentucky Oaks, 5.51 p.m. We're going to do the People's Daily Double, the Oaks Derby Double. This is a $2 ticket. Should cost you $24, how we're playing it. From the Oaks, we're going to use the number four, Crazy Beautiful, number 10, Malahat, and the number 12 search results. And in the Derby, we're gonna use the number seven Mandaloon, the number 14 Essential Quality, the number 15 Rocker World, and the number 16 King Fury. Again, a $2 ticket should cost you $24 to play those combinations. Starting on Saturday, race six, the Distaff Turf Mile. We're gonna play a daily double here. This is recommended by Brian Patton. The number four Zofel, the number six Blowout, and the number eight Got Stormy in the first leg. And then the second leg, race seven, we're going to use the number four Gamine as a single. And then in race seven, the Derby City Distaff, we're also going to play a Cold Exacta with the number four Gamine on top of the number three Bells the One. Race seven also starts the 20 cent pick six sequence. And again, you're going to use the number four Gamine as a single to start that sequence. From there, you can tack on what I'm about to talk about, which is the pick five. So the pick five, this is the people's pick five. Now, not fully finalized. I'm going to end up putting tickets on Twitter, but here's what we're going to go with. This is a 50 cent ticket. Should cost you $96. Race number eight, we're going to go with the number eight Dream Shake and the number 11 Noble Reflection. That's two options. Race nine, leg two, we're going to go with the number one Excellent Timing, the number two Win From Within, the number four Annex, and the number 13 Scarlet Sky. Leg three, race 10, we're gonna go with the number four Flagstaff, the number five Tap It to Win, and the number nine Whitmore. Leg four, race 11, we're gonna go with the number two Count Again, and the number three Colonel Liam. And then the final leg, the Kentucky Derby, 
Race 12, we're going with the number seven Mandaloon, the number 14 Essential Quality, the number 15 Rocket World, and the number 16 King Fury. Now I recommend for trifectas, somewhat like a 481 or a 418 format, where that one horse who you're singling on one line is your favorite long shot. So in this case for me, it would either be King Fury, the number 16, or Mandaloon, the seven. Put your top four wing contenders on the first line, Mandaloon or King Fury in second. Those same top four wing contenders and four other horses you like to finish in third on the third line. And then you can flip your second and third lines. So those tickets should each cost you $9. And you can do the same thing with your Superfectas. Four in first place, one in second place, eight in third place, eight in fourth place. That'll cost you $9. You flip second and third place. You flip second and fourth place. You've got three different Superfectas that are gonna cost you in total $27. And there's a good chance if your horse hits the board that you're going to hit all the other parts of that wager. So that's how I'm playing Kentucky Oaks Day and Kentucky Derby Saturday for now. Stay tuned to Twitter. Stay tuned to ActionNetwork.com for finalized tickets. But I hope that gets you set off in the right direction. Now let's talk to Brian Patton. They're off in the Kentucky Derby. Joining us now, first on the Action Network Kentucky Derby betting preview, one of our fantastic engineers here at the Action Network, horse racing expert, somebody whose opinion I greatly respect, and a co-owner, part owner of 2020 Kentucky Derby winner, 2020 Breeders' Cup Classic winner, Brian Patton, welcome to the show. What is it like to be a co-owner of a horse that won two American Classics? First, thanks for having me. It is great to be part of history. The downside to that was the timing of it was uh, couldn't be more disappointing because no one got to attend the Kentucky Derby or the Breeders' Cup. But I'm really looking forward to this year's edition, and I think we've got some really good horses. We've got people back in the stands, and that'll be uh, super exciting for everyone to watch and uh, to participate in. Yeah, really interesting betting race this year. We will get to that in a moment and help you handicap or help you can help us handicap the race. So we're going to start things off. We want to cover all the stakes races on Saturday leading into the Derby. And we're going to talk to you about two of the races, starting with race six, the Distaff Turf Mile, going a mile on the turf for four-year-olds and up, 1.14 p.m. Now, this race isn't tied to a lot of other horizontal wagers. Going forward from here, it might end some early pick fives, early pick fours. But really, if you're looking to bet this race at first and then going after it, you can only essentially bet a daily double or a pick three. Now, there is a good race after this, which we'll also talk about in a moment to build the daily double around. But Brian, what are you seeing in this race? There's a key race from February involving three of these horses. The number eight got Stormy, who's the morning line favorite. The number four, Zofel. And the number one, Jakarta, where Jakarta had the lead. Zofel and got Stormy past her close to the wire. How do you see this race shaping up relative to that prior indicator race? And then who else do you think has a shot to take this one down? Yeah, I see it being very similar. Uh, I think it's a three horse race. I really do. Um, it got stormy number five and number four is a fell uh, are going to end up basically passing Zakarta once again, uh, Jakarta, excuse me. Uh, once again, the rematch should be, should be really good. I think it was last, last time it was less than a length down at Gulfstream park on February 27th, as you mentioned, uh, that day, Gus Army was ever so slightly favored and held on for the win with Tyra Gaffley on the board. He'll be back on her again. Uh, she's an eight to five favorite, tends to stalk the pace. Uh, and again, she should get the pace to run at and use a turn of foot to finish the deal. She should get first jump, I believe, on Zafel. The, the one thing to watch for, for me, is going to be the weather. Um, it looks like we may get some rain up there. So if we get a little bit softer turf course, I think Zafel may 
move up in my rankings just a little bit, but I do think it is, it is probably a two horse race at the wire. Uh, got Stormy's FL rematch exactly like it was February 27th. I still think God Stormy gets the jump, uh, but we will see. So two Chad Brown horses in here as well. And you always have to fight me tooth and nail to keep Chad Brown horses on turf mm-hmm. off of my tickets. Uh, the number six blowout four second, four straight second place finishes. Now, when a horse keeps running in second place, race after race, do you put any stock into that? Or is that just sort of variance relative to how they're performing? I, I think it depends on the horse. Uh, there are you know, these horses that we, we would deem hangers, the ones that tend to get near the lead and just kind of don't want to pass anybody, uh, don't want to take the lead. The one thing you can say for sure that is is working in this horse's favor is he has or she has one of the best trainers in Chad Brown and one of the best jockeys in Flavian Pratt. If anyone's going to get that this horse across the line first, it would be those two. Uh, so I do give this horse an absolute chance. But I think this horse will be slightly outclassed today with Whistlefell and Got Stormy. Chad also has the number two she's got you who should be closing and running into a potentially hot pace. Brown, 23% win rate on turf races, 19% grid stakes is somebody you always have to watch out for. But Brian is going against him in this one. All right, we're going to move on to race seven, the Derby City Distaff, seven furlongs on the dirt, 1.56 p.m. Eastern time. This starts the 20-cent Derby City pick six, which has a mandatory payout ending with the Kentucky Derby. So certainly a horizontal wager you're going to want to put time and effort into. And we're going to talk about the pick five in a minute with our next guest. But based on how we talk about this one, you really only have to tack one horse onto your tickets, probably. Brian, the number four Gamine never lost around one turn. People, if you're listening, if you're even a casual fan and you watch Belmont Stakes Day last year, you probably remember Gamine romping by 18 links in the acorn. Is there really anybody in this field that could beat her? Her speed scores are kind of off the charts relative to the rest of the field. Yeah, I, I think this is a one horse race. Uh, you're asking me if anybody's can beat her. I think if anyone can, it would be number three, Bell's the one, uh, who has four starts at Churchill with two wins and two second or places, the second places, if you're not familiar with that. I, I think Gamine's going to be an incredibly short price, maybe even one to nine by the time they, they go off. So if you're looking for some value, Bell's the one is probably where I would go. But that said, Gamine only has one flaw. In, in, her, in her record. And that was, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, it, w- it was just not a great race. Uh, Gamine and, and Swiss Skydiver went at it at you know, tooth and nail. She dares the devil, picked it up. We'll see she dares the devil on the Friday card, I believe. That'll be a good indicator uh, on uh, maybe how strong Gamine is going to be. But I, I, I would take this as a, a free square in the pick six and just, just run with that. I, I wouldn't overthink this one. Yeah, the number f- number three bells the one. Fired a pair of bullets uh, on her last two workouts, so looking pretty strong coming into the race. So here's the question I have for you. When you have a one-to-nine favorite, is there any value in betting with the top two choices, the cold exacta? So in this case, it would be the 4-3 cold exacta. And then if you were to play a daily double with the race before this where we talked about two likely winners, are you going to get any value or are you even going to turn a profit playing two horses with the second spot in the second race being a one to nine favorite? The answer, generally speaking, is going to be no, but on Derby Day and Derby Weekend, I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think you got enough money in there to these pools that are going to be trying to beat the favorite. Casual bettors or just the the average better may look for you know an alternative where they can get some money um, or just simply looking for the the big payoff. So I think the answer is, is yes. I, th- I would play probably both the, the, the exacta, the four or three exacta, uh, ice cold. And I would probably also play the daily double um, with the two horses that I mentioned, the number five got Stormy and number four Zofell. 
uh, over Gamine. And if you wanted to add a little bit more value in there, I don't think there's anything wrong with adding uh, the Chad Brown horse in their number six blowout. I love it. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, I try not to overthink it on Derby Day, like you said, because there's so much money in these pools that is just kind of ripe for the taking. If you go about finding the most likely winners, it's it's the one day where targeting winners isn't necessarily a poor strategy in, in terms of extracting value. So let's move on to the Derby. Interesting addition of the Kentucky Derby. Really good betting race, actually, in my opinion. Not always the case with the Derby. Pretty short favorite here. Now, the thing I want to talk about you most or talk with you about most is the pace situation. Catter River, who was expected to be the, the pace setter, got scratched from the race. Do you see the number 15 end up being on the lead, or is there another horse that you're targeting as the likely early pace setter? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I don't think Rocky World is going to be out on the lead. Um, I don't know necessarily who it's going to be. This is one of those, uh, when I was trying to handicap this, I think Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie, probably end up taking the lead early. Medina Spirit has really good uh, early speed, good cruising speed as well, so can probably hold it. Um, the one wild card for me that, that just I haven't been able to piece together yet is, is Mike Smith, one of the best jockeys of all time, especially when it comes to big stakes. It lands on Midnight Bourbon for Steve Asmussen. I believe they've only been together just a few times. It's a very intriguing angle, and, and you wonder – Midnight Bourbon has shown the ability to get out front, but when he does, he generally fades quickly. So I don't know, even though Mike is really good at setting the pace, I don't know that they end up sending him. I think they're going to sit back and try to make one run with that horse and see if he's good enough. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the, the pace scenario, let me just walk kind of through it. I think that what we're going to see is, is with the Kentucky Derby, you're always going to have one or two or three strong favorites that are going to be up in the mix, and then you're always going to have one or two deep closers that are going to come in kind of wind up in the superfecta. So if that's what we're looking to play or looking to steer people towards, which is, a, I believe, as you mentioned, a huge payout possibility, that's kind of where you want to look is for those 18 to 1, 30 to 1 horses that are going to come, you know, charging down the stretch that look primed for this race, may not be good enough to win it, but they're going to pick up the pieces with the horses that are trying to win it that just simply hit a wall because they're going further than they've ever gone before. So with that in mind, I think what we're going to see is the number one horse, known agenda, Generally speaking, you see the number one horses inside draw will try to get the lead. This horse, I don't think is going to do that. I think he's going to drop back and then look to make a big run at the end. So what we'll see, I believe, like I said, is Hot Rod Charlie and Medina Spirit trying to get on the lead. I think we're going to have a wall of horses chasing him that will probably include essential quality. It'll probably include number 15, Rocky World, as you mentioned. Um, I believe that number 17, Highly Motivated, will probably also be there as well. Uh, along with some of the other horses that are kind of mid-pack that I just don't think are going to be good enough to carry the speed. So with that idea in mind, my expectation is up front is going to be extremely tiring. It's going to be a lot of bumping and jostling. The horses that are in that second flight that are kind of dropped back maybe one pace or, you know, or one length or so behind are the ones that are going to have the advantage. I expect everybody to be targeting a sport number 14 essential quality. I mean, he is the prohibitive favorite. He is the Breeders' Cup champion. Like it's it's probably he's probably the best horse in the field. So if you're gonna as a jockey, if you're gonna game plan and you're gonna strategize how you're gonna beat this horse, I think you shadow him and you try to get a jump on him or you try to box him inside. Uh, we've seen this historically with with the Derby. You'll you'll have these these positioning battles. So I think what you're gonna see is number 18 Superstock and number 15 Rocky World both sit outside of Essential Quality and try to pin him down in traffic as they come through that wall of horses. I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, my expectation is that Rocky World and Superstock are, are the most likely non 
uh, favorites to get there. So that's who I'm going to be chasing and backing. Um, but I do think that essential quality is likely to get a good drip. It's probably the best horse. It's just a matter of, can he make the distance? Can he get the, can he get through that wall of horses that I expect him to hit around basically the right before the, the second turn? Yeah, and the Derby anyway with 20 horses in the field, you're always going to have traffic issues. That's why a lot of people want to see the field dialed back to 14 horses. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I think this is, like you mentioned, this is a field where we have a ton of horses who are going to try to be tactical or be mid-pack early. Don't really know who the actual pace setter is going to be. And because of that, it's really going to turn into traffic issues on the back stretch and who's able to actually get out in a clear path coming off the turn. So that's why it makes it such an interesting betting race. I think there's probably eight or nine horses realistically that have a chance to win, which I don't think is always the case. It's usually closer to three to five. Uh, I think there's a lot of horses in that 15 to 21 range that have a chance to really run well. So last question I have for you in terms of handicapping, because this has been a weird year. Um, Haven't had as many horses normally run as many races as they normally would. Are you putting more stock into workouts than you normally would? Are you putting more stock into specific trainers than you normally would, or is it still just kind of a balance of speed scores and, and physical characteristics that you've seen on the track to date? Yeah. I mean, as usual, I'll try to overanalyze and I will take all of those into account, um, which is not always the best, the best method. I think that what we're going to see this year though, is the horses that are training well on this track that come in on a, uh, I would call a good form cycle are the ones that I'm going to be looking to target. I don't love what I'm seeing from Medina Spirit, for example. Uh, I think it's a re- he's a really good horse and, and was proven to be really good at two years old. Has kind of just kind of meddled around. Everyone else has gotten better. I think he's, he's falling back. So I, like those kind of horses I'm going to avoid. But the ones that are winning, uh, the ones that are training well, the ones that look to be gliding over the surface are the ones that I'm going to be targeting. Uh, so I do think it's, it's worth paying attention to, you know, if, if, if you're a casual better. And you're watching this maybe for the first time or, or the third or fourth time, watch them warm up, watch what horse, you know, look for the horses that are on their toes, look for the horses that seem to be moving over the surface easily. Uh, we, like I said, we may get a muddy track. If it's a muddy track, you know, th- there, there's various handicapping angles, whether it be, you know, uh, looking at the, the, the progeny of the sires that, that can run in the mud, those that can't, maybe, maybe their sires are able to run in the mud. Look at those 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 statistics or those data points and try to figure out which ones are most likely to succeed. If they've got a track history, that's great. But most of these are very lightly raced, probably haven't run maybe more than once in the mud. So you're kind of kind of gambling on whether or not they're going to be able to handle that. Um, the the closers tend to get a little bit more penalized, uh, with the exception of, of a orb, I guess I would say in the mud, where they're not they because of the kickback, they they freak out, they don't like it. It's the first time they've experienced this many horses in one race. So there's a lot of firsts for all of these horses. So the ones that can narrow, they can eliminate a lot of those and handle them the best and be better prepared are the ones that, again, you want to target. And that it leads itself to the jockeys and the trainers where they give you a little bit of an edge versus just this, the statistical analysis saying this horse ran the fastest, therefore he should win. Awesome stuff, Brian. Thank you. So before we get you out of here, what are your picks for the Oaks? Who are you going to be using in doubles with the Derby? And then what are your best bets for Derby day itself? Yeah. So the Oaks, I think is a, is a three horse race. Another one I'm going to be using search results. I think that she's probably the class of the field travel column and Malathot are both excellent horses. I just, I think search result is again, once again, prepared and ready to run probably perhaps the biggest race of her life uh, in the, in this Oaks. So 
that's going to be the one that I will target will be search results with a daily double with quite a few horses probably on the backside for the Kentucky Derby. Um, I think Rock Your World, again, in, in Superstock are, are one in 1A for me. Uh, essential quality will be, you know, number number two in my, in my rankings. My betting strategy for the Derby will simply be essential quality exact a box with uh, essential quality by himself. And then the one, the nine, the 10, the 15, and the 18 all boxed together. Uh, make it fairly simple. Uh, and then a secondary bet that I would include for most people would be a, a trifecta box with essential quality and rock your world as the two that you key off of. And then also include the one, the nine, the 10 and the 18. Brian, awesome stuff, man. You can follow Brian on Twitter at B Patton double zero P A T T O N zero zero. This is, this was just great handicapping information. Great stuff for non-horse players and horse players alike. Brian, happy to have you on again in the future when we when we convince Chad Millman and Matt Mitchell to let us do another horse racing podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Enjoy the Derby and enjoy your Met Juleps. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. We now bring on one of our horse racing contributors. Guy provides awesome content. You can find his cards for Friday Oaks Day and Saturday Derby Day on actionnetwork.com. Mike Conti is here. Mike, I apologize in advance for giving you the two hardest races of the stake sequence, the <laughs> handicap. Races eight and nine, as I was going through them myself, these were absolute head scratchers. Did you find them to be the same way for yourself? When I, Sean, when I got the email, I've got to be honest, I'm sitting here saying, you give me the Pat Day mile. It was the <laughs> one race of the weekend I had zero opinion on. And I said, okay, well, we're going back to the drawing board. And I went back and I think I watched 80% of all of the race replays of all of these horses last night to try to come up with something for you. So a little funny story about the Pat Day mile. I think it was two or three years ago now. Funny Duck. It was in the slop. And Funny Duck won the Pat Day mile. And Funny Duck, I believe, was 39 to 1. Huge bomb. The horse had no business winning a race. And I think ever since then, I've been scarred on the Pat Day mile saying, I want nothing to do with this race ever again. Like, no, thank you. Uh, I do think it's one of the most difficult races on the card this year. 
here's here's the real, you know, I think the the big question in the Pat Day Mile is Jackie's Warrior, number three. Uh, so Jackie's Warrior, he was arguably, right, last year as a two-year-old, one of the most spectacular two-year-olds that we saw last year. And he didn't run well in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile back in uh, November at Keeneland and ran a disappointing third, albeit in the slop at Oaklawn in the in the southwest now cutting back the 16th of a mile does that help him i mean listen if he runs back to his two-year-old form he wins this race i think it's as easy as that the question becomes can he run back to that two-year-old form and and i'm not sure um frankly at three to one i i don't love that price i i just i don't know if i can trust him so i I look elsewhere. Um, when I looked at this race, you know, to me, I ended up on, on dream shake. I, and again, I, I'm going to say, I think, um, it really difficult, you know, dream shake, uh, when you go back and you watch the maiden race back in February where he broke his maiden, that was, if you remember the day, that was the day that he ran against Bezos. This was Bezos's first start. This was back in February. At the time, Bezos hadn't run a race yet, hadn't qualified for the Derby, but yet was in the Derby future pools. He was supposed to be, you know, the next, I mean, people were talking like, oh, he's going to be the next American Pharaoh, the next Justified, and a horse who hadn't ever run and was in the Derby future pools and Dream Shake just blew Bezos out of the water. He won the race by four and three quarter lengths. Uh, you know, he stepped up uh, to face graded stakes company the next two times out uh, at Santa Anita. Didn't run particularly well, uh, but also, you know, really going a mile and an eighth in a, in a Santa Anita Derby is, is a distance I don't think Dream Shake wants to go. So the cutback to the mile, I think, could set up very nicely for him. Um, and I think a very fair price at, at seven to two. Um, you know, when I, when I look elsewhere in this race overall, um, I, I think there's a price in here that we could get. And the price that I like in here is number 11, Noble Reflection. Uh, noble Reflection on the morning line is 15 to one, uh, trained by Richard Baltus, ridden by Hall of Famer Johnny Velasquez. And you know, this is a horse who broke his, ran once as a two-year-old back at Del Mar, ran a, I guess you could say a, a respectable third, um, has always shown early speed, uh, then went to the sidelines. We saw him come back as a three-year-old, and this is one of the angles that I love. His two-year-old buyer speed figure was a 68. He pops in his first race as a three-year-old up to a 91 to break his maiden at Oaklawn. And, and I love that angle. He then ran in the Lexington. I mean, ran in the slop, which it doesn't look like we're going to have on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> ran his eyeballs out, frankly, um, in terms of the, the pace that he set in the Lexington. Now he faded again, mile and a 16th. He cuts back. We're not going to have a sloppy track I, on paper 
to me, it looks like he's the fastest horse in the race. Now, you know, could others go with him? Could pace pressure become an issue? Absolutely. At 15 to one, I think in both vertical and horizontal wagers, so either in multi-race wagers or same race exotics, he's one that I'm absolutely going to use at the price. Um, Love that. I'm going to have to add him onto my list. Uh, Jackie's warrior, completely agree. Key to the race. Uh, your opinion of that horse kind of determines how you need to play it. Number four to fund it is a Bob Baffert horse expected to take money. Also getting Irad Ortiz on board. Certainly a lot of respect for both of those connections. Three for four when him and Irad hook up. Uh, and Dream Shake was also on my list, as you mentioned. Trained by Peter Yurton, third in Santa Anita Derby. Cutting back a distance here. What if you're not a horse player, what you might not realize with a mile races, it's a bit of a middle distance and it's odd because you get a lot of sprinters who are stretching out or route horses who are cutting back. And in this case, you have a lot of horses who are fast and show early speed, but who are also cutting back in distance. So it's a question of whether they're able to maintain that run all the way through the mile. Any Anything else on this race for you, Conti? The only other thing I'll say, Sean, you bring up a really good point about the the makeup, right, of the different tracks. One thing to note, Churchill Downs, the one-mile race, is a single-turn race. A lot of these horses were talking about cutting back from a mile and 16th to a mile. And at a lot of these tracks that we're talking about, a mile and a 16th is a two-turn race. The reason why that becomes so important is now all of a sudden you're talking about having to switch leads multiple times in a two-turn race. Leads meaning which horse, which uh, hoof of the horse is in front, right? Are they going with their left first or their right first? Depending upon where you are in the race um, depends upon which lead the horse should be on. Because this is a one-turn race, it's also something to keep in mind, whereas these cutbacks from a mile and a 16th doesn't seem like a lot but it's the difference of two turns to one turn. It's the only other thing I'd call out with the race. Yeah, tough race to handicap. That is the the Pat Day mile, and that is at 2.48 p.m. It's race eight. We're going to move on to race nine, the American turf going a mile and 16th on the turf for three-year-olds. This is race nine at 3.40 p.m. A lot of top trainers in this race, Baffert, Chad Brown, Bill Mott, Shug McGahee, Todd Pletcher, Michael Maker, Brad Cox, Keith Desormo, Wesley Gore. I mean, you name it. There's trainers in this race. Uh, Annex, the number four, is the 72 favorite for Bill Mott. Picked up Irad Ortiz Jr. on the mount there. Favorite looks like because of his connections, because he's 3-0, and but not, doesn't necessarily have the speed scores that have a significant edge over this field. I also like the number one, excellent timing. You rarely get 10-1 to on Chad Brown in a turf race. First start for this horse on grass, but when Chad Brown puts his horses on grass for the first time, over from dirt, went at a 21% rate. Conti, another really, really difficult race to handicap. What do you see in the American turf? Yeah, I, I totally agree, Sean. Uh, another another really difficult race. A uh, couple of things I think you pointed out. It's a who's who in terms of the trainers in this race. I mean, I, I, I don't know as though that there's a horse in this race that's you know not trained by one of these big trainers that you mentioned that you can just automatically toss. Uh, so I think that obviously makes it difficult. Um, you know, Annex, I think to your point, as the favorite, how can you argue? Irad, I think he's probably the best rider in the country right now, right? And potentially the best rider in the world. Um, and and amazing, a ter- amazing turf rider wins at 28% on the turf. Um, horses stepping up in class, Going a little bit longer, I don't think that that'll be an issue for the horse. At seven to two, Bill Mott and and Irad, I, 
the horse could get bet down. You know, if you get anything below three to one, I don't know how much value there is on Annex. I actually went further to the outside uh, to number 13, Scarlet Sky, as my top pick in here. Uh, trained by Shug McGahee, uh, ridden by Joel Rosario. Joel coming off an excellent meet um, at Keeneland. Um, just, you know, I think Joel is one of those riders that just knows where the wire is at all times and knows how to time his run. And I think this is going to be a case where we're going to see that come into play, right? Starting from this outside post, he's going to have to work out a little bit of a trip going into that first turn. I do think that this horse has some of the best, if not the best, late pace figures and late kick in this field. So he would be my top choice in here. Um, I also did like the number one that you mentioned, excellent timing. Not only Chad Brown and, and some of the stats that you mentioned, also when I looked at the pedigree of this horse, so the sire, the father, and the dam, the mother of this horse, and looking at what some of their turf statistics are, the sire, not this time, with his first-time turf starters, wins at a 24% clip. And the damn sire, pioneer of the Nile, wins at a 15% clip, first time on the turf. So the horse is bred up and down for the turf, and he gets one of my favorite jockeys right now, Umberto Rispoli, who is a West Coast rider. He came over from the European circuit, I think two years ago now. Um, this guy just always seems to know how to, how to put his horses in the right places. And one of the things, if you listen to some of these analysts and, and the Gary Stevens of the world and some of these former jockeys talk about Umberto and, what, and why he's so good, he gets his horses to just relax early in the race. And his hands are just so soft to allow them to do what they want to do and then knows when to ask them. So at 10 to one, to your point, Sean, you know, excellent price. Love Umberto getting aboard. The other horse that I looked at in here is number two, win from within. Uh, Luis Saez, Todd Pletcher. Uh, this horse is two for two over the turf course, um, is going to be not the speed, but probably one of the speed horses in this race. And Luis Sias, always dangerous on the front end. And, and if he can get a loose lead, I don't think he will. But if he gets a loose lead, we could see a gate to wire winner here at eight to one. Uh, you know, those were the, the three horses that I that I liked most. Um, you know, and, and I do like Annex, don't get me wrong, but I just, I don't think that we're going to get a price that's worth betting on in this race. And, and you brought it up, the speed figures aren't all that impressive. So I, I'm a, I'm a wait and see approach on this horse, not a win bet contender for me, but definitely will use, um, in again, vertical and horizontal exotics. Let's talk about the Kentucky Derby for a few minutes, race 12, 6 57 PM post on Saturday. I'm going to give you a list of horses that I'm looking at tossing out. And you tell me if you would keep any of these in or, or pull them off of my toss list. Number two, like the King. Number three, Brooklyn Strong. Number four, keep me in mind. Number five, Sainthood. Number 12, Helium. Number 13, Hidden Stash. And number 20, Bourbonic. I want to toss all those. Would you keep any of that list? Are you tossing them as win bets for for uh, multi-race wagers, or are you saying for exotics as well? Exotics as well for that list, yeah. Complete so tosses. I, I, think, I think you can toss all of them for win bets, absolutely. Um, 
I don't know. I went back and watched the uh, the stakes race at Turfway that St. Hood qualified for the Derby in the Jeff Ruby stakes. I don't know if he's a toss underneath at a price I would include uh, underneath, you know, supers. I don't know if he's a tri horse, but superfecta. So top four. Um, and the other one, and I liked this horse early on. I liked this horse in the Sam F Davis. I liked this horse in the Tampa Bay Derby hidden stash. Um, I, you know, he's one of these horses that is at a huge price could be picking up pieces late and could get a piece of the pie again, maybe not hitting the board pie, but a fourth place finish at a huge price that could be a life-changing super score, uh, super score. So I would not throw him out of the exotics. Love that. Yeah. Those were honestly, those were the two that not only have I seen other cappers recommend them underneath, but the two that I was most tepid about leaving completely off of tickets. So I'll have to reconsider those. Okay. Let's talk about not your top selection quite yet, but the long shots or the horses in let's say the 15 to one, 20 to one, 30 to one and above range. Not only do you think they have a chance of winning the race, but you think they have a good chance of getting into exotics. Uh, great question. So based on morning line, I think is going to be different than what we see at the gate. I think the first horse we have to talk about because of all the buzz around this horse working out and everything else is Mandaloon, right? I think wise guy horse probably would be fair to say everybody seems high on Mandaloon. Um, it, this also could be one of those cases, Sean, where there are times when you have these big trainers, the Pletchards, the Bafferts, the Chad Browns, the Brad Coxes now, where sometimes it's you take the other horse, right? And what I mean by that is Brad Cox obviously has essential quality. I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, but Mandaloon is, is one of the other Brad Cox horses. And, and if you throw out that Louisiana Derby race, everything else looks really good. And, and he fits in here. So at 15 to one, yes, absolutely. I don't know. And I don't think we're getting 15 to one on Derby day. Um, the other horse I would speak to Medina spirit, 15 to one. I personally don't really like this horse, but how can you leave Baffert out of a Kentucky Derby? He just seems to be a staple year in and year out. Um, and, uh, the other horse at a price that I actually think has a big chance is King Fury. If you go back and, and first of all, one of the angles we talked about earlier, the two-year-old to three-year-old jump in buyer speed figures. Last race as a two-year-old was the Kentucky Jockey Club grade two right here at Churchill Downs. Ran a, dis I guess you would say disappointing fifth. 71 was the buyer speed figure number that day. Came back and ran in the Lexington a couple of weeks back now and popped to a 96. And when you watch that race, King Fury has that push button speed. I mean, Brian Hernandez, the jockey, didn't even look like he asked King Fury to make the move on the turn when he did. Makes the move on the turn, splits horses. The question becomes, did the horse just love the slop? I mean, he's out of Curlin, so Curlins tend to love the slop. That's the question. At 20 to 1, definitely a horse that I think is, is a win contender and somebody that you absolutely have to use as a longer price horse, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on Mandaloon. I th think some people are pronouncing it Mandaloon. I'm going to have to get the correct pronunciation on that. <laughs> but he has been the buzz horse all week in workouts. Uh, so 
as you mentioned, taking the other one from these top trainers, Todd Pletcher, I believe, has four horses in this field. I've been told the dynamic one has been outworking known agenda. And with Brad Cox all week, I've been told that Mandelown has been outworking essential quality. And I think those are probably two of my favorite ones in that same range. In addition to King Fury, who you also mentioned, I think that horse is getting a lot of buzz too. All right. Time for top selections in the Derby. Who are you picking to win the race? Give me any bets that you might be making and then your picks for the Oaks as well. Yeah. So I'll start by saying this, and I, I hate to say this, but prior to the, the, the draw for the post, I was, I thought I was on known agenda. Now, something key that I think listeners need to understand the one hole of this year is not as bad as what it was in previous years. They changed the starting gate. So it's one continuous gate. In previous years, we had an auxiliary gate that went from, I think it was like 15 to 20. I think it fit one to 14 and then 15 to 20 was the auxiliary gate. And so they kind of smushed it all together, if you will. And it's all one gate and the gates are actually a little bit more narrow. So that one horse isn't basically behind the rail uh, for where they start. So it's not as big of a deal as it once was. I still like known agenda, but my top pick in the race is number 15, Rock Your World. Now, I loved this horse in the Santa Anita Derby, and he went off at five to one. And I hope that we get five to one again on him. I listen, I don't think that he needs the lead. He could obviously go gate to wire again. He could sit a stocking trip. Absolutely. I think his post position for his running style is fantastic. Also, based on some of the horses around him, I think it'll play very well for him. Interesting stat that I heard, and this was one of the reasons I loved him in the Santa Anita Derby. Candy Ride, the sire, the father of Rock Your World, wins at a 21% clip with his starters in grade one races. That's unheard of. 21% grade one winners for candy ride. And, uh, you know, I, John Sadler, the trainer said that this was always the plan was to start this horse on the turf and go to the dirt. Sometimes the turf is more forgiving. It doesn't beat the horses up as much. And, and we saw, you know, a couple of years ago with justify, you don't have to run as a two-year-old to win the Kentucky Derby. And so rock your world is, is my top pick here. Um, I also, we talked about King Fury already. Listen, essential quality hasn't done anything wrong per se. And obviously, I mean, he's undefeated. What? How much can you really have against the horse? But I, at two to one, I, I'll look elsewhere. You absolutely have to include him in all of your bets. You have to. But I don't think he's a win bet contender at the price. Um, and, and I would look to actually key him, you know, in, in other spots, potentially with Rock Your World. The other horse that I really like in here is highly motivated, um, who gave essential quality all that he could handle in that bluegrass back at the beginning of April at Keeneland, frankly, to the point where I actually thought highly motivated was going to win the race deep stretch, um, at 10 to one, uh, you know, another horse who I think could be sitting on, on a big one. Um, you know, I, underneath in terms of who else I'll be using. I do think that Superstock has a, a real chance to get a part and get a piece of it. Um, so I really like 
him underneath. Uh, you know, we talked about hidden stash already. You mentioned dynamic one. I don't think he's a win contender for me, but I do like him underneath. Uh, number nine, hot rod, Charlie. Here's another win contender for me. Uh, Doug O'Neill trainee, Doug O'Neill's won this race a number of times. Um, and, and this horse won the Louisiana Derby and, and frankly dug in, in the Louisiana Derby. I thought that this horse was not going to win uh, the Louisiana Derby when, you know, Midnight Bourbon and, and some of these others uh, took the turn. He took the turn in front, uh, but he didn't look great. Um, the other horse at a price that I'm going to use underneath in my exactas uh, or in my exotics, I should say, is Obesos. Uh, also ran in that Louisiana Derby race. If you go back and watch that race, watch the rail move that this horse makes. And, and frankly, the extra 16th of a mile here might be the difference for this horse because this horse won the gallop out. And so at 20 to one, I, I think that he's a horse that is absolutely worth a shot. He's another one who his, his buyer speed figures have progressed throughout his entire career. We didn't see a huge pop from two to three. His trainer, Greg Foley, not as well known, but you know what? A horse at 20 to one that I'm definitely using underneath. Really good stuff, Conti. Before we let you go, I know that you have a pick for Oaks Day in case people are able to listen to the pod in time. Race five, 12.43 p.m. post. One and one-eighth miles on the turf. Who are you picking in this race? I love number one, Temple. Uh, horses five to one on the morning line. I, frankly, I don't think we're going to get five to one. Anything above you know two to one, five to two, I think is absolutely a win bet. Uh, Maker always has his horses ready for these longer route races on the turf. A couple of races back, this horse ran second to another Mike Maker horse at Gulfstream in a mile and a half race, tied to the sea. And I think it's Temple's time. He gets Joel aboard. Joel, like we mentioned this earlier, he's going to be able to work out a trip. Uh, you know, Joel is winning at 21% over the turf. And so, like I said, anything above two to one, I really, really like this horse. He's getting a ton of class relief. And what I mean by class relief is the horse had been running in graded stakes races, which is the cream of the crop, the best of the best. He's now coming down to allowance optional claiming condition. And, and that's, you know, a, a decent class relief for, for Temple in this spot. And so I think a class relief with getting Joel aboard um, is going to really play into Temple's hands here. And so at, at the, at five to one, holy cow, love this horse. I don't think we're getting five to one, but again, anything above two to one, absolutely a win bet contender. Excellent stuff, Mike Conti. Again, you can find his Oaks Day and Derby Day cards on ActionNetwork.com and in the Action Network app. Follow him on Twitter at mconti1023, M-C-O-N-T-I-1023. Mike Conti, thanks so much today. Sean, thanks so much for having me. Before we move on, we wanted to show some love to our sponsor, Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy, beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you want to take it easy on the booze and finish strong through the final gambling furlough this weekend, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. Head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection, and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets customers 15% off their first order, and if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge.
We're now joined by Action Network editor Jeremy Pond, covers horse racing and soccer for us, does a great job with everything he handles. Jeremy's coming to us from north of the border. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Do they care about the Kentucky Derby up in Canada? Actually, they do. There are some uh, Ontario breads that are down there this weekend. Um, and obviously, Woodbine, huge track up here. Uh, not in action. It was supposed to come back, but because of the pandemic and because we're in a state of emergency up in the Toronto GTA, they're not running. So there's plenty of uh, appeal of the Derby in the, in the big weekend ahead. So let's talk about a couple of races leading into the Derby. This closes out the pick five sequence with race 10 and 11 leading into the Derby. It's the middle of the pick five sequence and the Derby closes it out. Starting with race 10, the Churchill Down Stakes. It's a seven furlong sprint on the dirt for four-year-olds. 4.31 p.m. post time. Not a ton of speed in here. Looks like a pretty evenly matched group. Now, races eight and nine, we talked about being very difficult races to handicap Mike Conti. This looks like a tough one as well. Number nine, Whitmore. Won the Breeders' Cup Sprint last year. Coming in here isn't even the morning line favorite. Jeremy, what do you make of this race? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's wide open. I think that on, on the undercard, you have a lot of balance. Um, there, there isn't really, even in, you know, looking at the, at the marquee race, the Derby, there isn't anybody, obviously you have essential quality, but outside of that, you've got a lot of the same type of horses and the same, same thing here with, with the Churchill down stakes, obviously Whitmore, big fan favorite. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more toward his rival. I'm leaning more toward Flagstaff. Um, you know, he was third in the, third in the hot springs recently. Um, and he won the grade three Commonwealth. So I'm, I'm thinking there's a time that it's going to happen where Whitmore is just not going to show. Um, he, he's fires pretty much every time out. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning more toward Flagstaff in this, uh, in this scenario. So a couple of the horses I had my eye on the number five tap it to win by Mark Cassie dangerous around one turn looked really sharp in his four-year-old debut. Also the number two mind control, multiple graded one stakes winner, Ideal distance for him, working really well coming into the race. Jeremy, between those two, either of them interests you? Yeah, I would say tap it to win. Um, mind control, if I remember correctly, he just uh, – oh, I'm trying to think. I mean, he's won a bunch of stakes. Five-year-old, um, you know, son of Steve Thirsty. Um, but I, I'm leaning more toward tap it to win um, to, to get through – um, there, I kind of like the post position. He's right off of Flagstaff. Flagstaff's going to be in the number four post. Um, tap to wins the number five. I feel like they're going to be in that scene. They're going to be together, you know, kind of feeling each other out. Um, and, you know, I, I initially had mind control on there. Um, and I believe I read Ortiz is going to be riding. So you can't go wrong, you know, with the three time, I think he's won three in a row. I, I clip the word riding champions championships. Um, you know, Finished second in the grade three uh, Carter uh, back in April 3rd, a uh, grade one Carter back in April um, 3rd at Aqueduct, Mind Control did. So I'm not sure if he obviously probably needed a race, um, but I've, if you asked me to pick one of the two to go along with Flagstaff, I would go with Tap It to Win. Let's move on to race 11, the Turf Classic, one and one eighth miles on the turf, four-year-olds, 5.27 p.m. Eastern time. It's the race that leads directly into the Kentucky Derby. Usually you catch it at the start of the Derby broadcast on NBC. A couple interesting horses in here. The number two digital age won this race last fall. Potentially a horse for the course. Two for two at Churchill Downs. Top buyer figure 105 in this field, which he ran on this race last fall. 
Number three, Colonel Liam, the morning line favorite, $1.2 million purchase. Todd Pletcher Barn, winner of three straight, looks like an absolute physical specimen. Number four, number seven, Ivar and Smooth Lake straight could also get loose on pretty much a paceless lead here. Jeremy, how do you see the Turf Classic playing out? Well, I'm, I'm fading digital age. He, he didn't even make my top four. Um, the reason being, um, you know, he's one of my, comes, he's from Lemon Drop Kid, one of my favorite horses um, in, the, in the history of racing. But um, he won the Turf Classic last year, but then followed that with an 11th place effort in the Breeders' Cup Turf Mile. And we haven't seen him since. So didn't, didn't work, didn't, you know, work it, put in a, put in a prep race prior to this coming off a bad loss. Um, you know, five years old, maybe it's, again, we're all going to hit a decline somewhere. Maybe this is his spot where he's declining. Um, I actually picked out a long, I've got, I've got a, a, some value on this race. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the number two, uh, count again at 10 to one. Um, came in, uh, was fantastic um, in the uh, Frank Kill, the uh, the Kilmore Mile at Santa Anita, that hit the road one, came from flying off the pace with uh, Louis Saez aboard, um, and if you watch that race back, and I've watched it numerous times because I, I I was trying to find somebody to come out of that race um, specifically, and you know he was second to last at the coming around the at the turn, it hit the top of the stretch and he just tipped out wide and probably was seven or eight horses wide and and wound up driving hard to the finish line and, and got up for third, but it was only about a half length behind um, the two, the two, the horse to finish one, two. So you're going to get another a little extra distance here, mile and an eighth, you're getting another eighth of a mile. I think he wins that race at Santa Anita if he had another eighth of the mile. So that's where I'm going with it, with, with that race. I, I feel like, again, another race that's wide open. I think you can play It's all going to be, you know, who come, how this thing just dictates itself right off the bat. These are good sized fields too. They're all good horses. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to find some value here. I don't like to eat a lot of, you know, eat a lot of chalk in the, in these kind of races, these, these older, older stakes winners. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Saez. I like Saez on the turf. I like this. I like this horse again. I I'm going to guess his odds go off probably around the similar number. Um, he's going to be able to work out a trip. He's going to be able to lay back. He's coming out of the number two slot number two post. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, and, and if you're going to throw in other people underneath there, it's, I think Colonel, um, Colonel Liam, definitely. Um, and then the horse that finished second in that Kilmore mile, um, to hit the road was uh, smooth, like straight, the number seven, and he should go off probably second or third choice. I think he's morning line four to one. Um, and I think Colonel Liam will probably go off as the favorite, but I think the count again, will get overlooked a little bit, but he shouldn't because that was a, Monster effort he, he threw that last time out at Santa Anita on the turf. And um, I, I don't see him not improving off that, especially getting the extra distance. Love it. Going with the number two count again in the turf classic. All right, let's talk about the Derby a little bit. Now we already covered the Derby some with Brian Pat and Mike Conti, both of whom did an excellent job. Talked about the pace scenario. Talked about <clears throat> some live long shots. Mike was pretty high on King Fury, the number 16. He also had some interest in the number seven mandaloon. Now, very divisive Derby field. I think the horse that is the key to the race and how we break it down is the number 15 rocket world. Catter river was expected to be the pace horse in this race ended up dropping off. 
Brian Patton actually disagreed that Rocky World would be out on the lead in this race. He thought there were other potential possibilities of horses who could take the front early. Who do you see getting to the front? And who do you like as your top pick in the Kentucky Derby? Well, I think in the past, you know, looking at the past races of the you know, last five, six years, front, front running speed, you want to be near the front in, the, in this race. You're going to get out of, you're going to get out of trouble. Um, obviously the new gate kind of has, it takes away a lot of the problems. Not as there's still problems on the rail. Um, but you know, if you were inside the one, two, three, four post positions, you had to go from the beginning and your whole, whether you're a front runner or a stalker or a closer, you had to get out of there because if not, you're going to get swarmed and you're done. Um, but I think this new gate kind of opens up, opens things up a little bit where that's not as much of a problem. So I don't know if soup and sandwich goes to the front. Um, did in the Florida Derby. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like essential quality will try to be up there. I, I feel like something will be similar to like authentic last year. He got ahead on the Derby. Tizalaw, I think he both broke from the 17 post. Um, just couldn't get him. He couldn't work out. I mean, just you're, you're 17, 17 horses out. You, you know, the quickest way around the track is along is, is the closest to the rail. So um, I feel like the better horses are going to be grouped up there. Um, now, if they run and go out there and they, they blow 22 second quarters and 45 half miles, that it could potentially just blow the race up. And then you've got problems. Then, then you've got a situation where it can be somebody from, you know, a mind that bird type of horse coming from out of nowhere. Um, you know, a deep closer, which there aren't too many of them, but there are a few, um, which could really blow up the tote board. But I, I see it probably will hold true to form where it's that group of four or five horses, um, running in that, that pack, maybe a couple sitting off. Um, but I I don't see anything outlandish happening, you know, like that mind that bird type of win or a Giacomo type of, you know, 51 shot coming through, um, in this. So, um, I've been going back and forth on my pick and I've been stuck on the same one since I watched it, since I watched him win his derby prep and that was rock your world. That was the horse I had. Um, a lot of elements similar to Barbaro. I love that horse, former Kentucky Derby winner, um, obviously who broke down in the, in the Preakness. Um, but very similar in the approach that Barbaro started off as a turf horse. And not a lot of people know that. And he was successful on turf. And they said, let's switch him because he had the pedigree to run both. Switched him over to dirt. And obviously the rest was history. Same thing with Rocky World. First two starts of his career on grass. Wins both. Comes back on dirt. Goes up in the front, blistering fractions, you know, half mile and uh, I think it was a quarter and a half mile. And I thought he was going to get caught. He did not get caught. He actually excelled. And Bob Baffert had Medina Spear in that race, who was the favorite. I think it was four to five. He never got near him and he just drew off. Um, So I don't know if a horse like that is going to continue to improve. I think that he will. Maybe he bounces off that, that effort, but he didn't. He wasn't pressured in that. I mean, that's the difference between watching essential quality and the bluegrass. He had to win. He had to earn that one against highly motivated, highly motivated, had him at the eighth pole and essential quality, just found another gear and just got him, you know, by a head at the, at the wire who had to work more. I'd like to look at that. So essential quality had to work to get there. Um, Rocky world didn't. And he, he, he was, he just seems like a horse that is just, eerily similar to Barbara and I, I was that horse is one of my favorites of all time as well um I will say if I'm gonna if I'm going to look at another horse there and people are gonna fade this horse because of the post position but it's number one known agenda 
six to one morning line odds. I probably, he'll probably go off around there. Um, but again, I read Ortiz on the horse, the new gate system. He's going to be able to push, come off a little bit. He can, he doesn't have to go to the lead. Um, you know, and he got better in the Florida Derby, another horse that really just stalked the pace, stayed behind the, stayed behind the speed and turned it from home. You know, he tipped outside, was clear and, and drove off. Probably will wind up with Rocket World, but those are the two I'm really looking at. And those are the two I'll key on top of my exacta. Um, I will, I will not be using essential quality on top. Only two juvenile champions have won the Derby. Uh, and that was, I believe, Street Sense in 2006, who had the benefit of racing that Breeders' Cup at Churchill Downs. So we knew the track. And then in 2016, I believe it was Nyquist. I will use essential quality in the, in the, in the exotics, but not on top. If you're, so you mentioned you'd use two horses on top and exactas. If you're going deeper, if you're looking at trifectas, superfectas, in terms of structure, how many horses are you willing to use on top? How many horses are you willing to use underneath? And do you look to build any of those around a key horse? Will you, so the, a lot of the times when I'm building a trifecta or a superfecta, for example, I'll use like a 418 method or a 4188 method where I'm trying to get a favorite long shot into the top three and I'll use him in second and third by himself and then kind of use four horses on either side around him. Right. So what, what's kind of the, what's kind of the limit you set yourself in terms of what you'll pay for a minimum price ticket, like a 50 cent trifecta ticket or how many horses are you willing to use in each slot? Yeah. I think with the Derby, it's a little different. Cause I, you know, you tend to bet a little bit more on the Derby. It's once a year, get a little more action involved. Um, things can happen where you can get some ma massive payouts if you, as you've seen in the past, but um, this race, I'll probably box up um, in a triple. I'll probably box up five horses as one play five horses for a dollar, which is, I think is $60. Um, you know, I'll probably do something like that, but then I'll cut back into a 50 cent where I'll, then I'll spread it out a little bit. Same thing with the super I'll do. I'll wind up messing around with, with a 50 cent superfecta. Um, depending where you're at and wagering and, and betting in North America, 10 cent superfectas are, are out there. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of the way I will go about it with the exact as with this race. Um, I'm going to key in the, in the other ones we just spoke about, I'm going to box, but this one, I'm just going to key on top, um, you know, known agenda and rocket world. Then underneath, I'm going to wind up using uh, number seven, Mandaloon, who was 15 to one, number nine, hot rod, Charlie, your Louisiana Derby winner, uh, nine to two um, dynamic one, number 11, who was 20 to one morning line. And then I'll have essential quality. Who's your two to one, two to one favorite. We'll probably go off at two to one, um, as well as number seven, highly motivated, um, the second, the runner up in the bluegrass to essential quality. Because I feel like those two horses along with Rocket World Known Agenda, they're your main four. Um, I know the wise guys are going to be on the Hot Rod Charlies, um, you know, horses like that. Mandaloon, perhaps, because that's Brad Cox who trains essential quality. That's his second horse. So your stable mate sometimes outdoes your, you know, th the main horse of the group. Um, but yeah, t t it, it all varies. It depends on what my feeling is, but I, f I feel like Nona, Jen and Rocket World are going to give me the most value. And if, and if essential quality beats me, he beats me. I mean, it's, I just don't want to take two. I can't take two to one on a favorite. I don't think I've taken two to one on a favorite at the Derby ever. I mean, I think tis the law might've gone off at five to two last year. And that was probably the, probably the lowest I've ever uh, gone. Thank you so much, Jeremy Pond. You can follow him on Twitter, Jeremy Pond, J E R E M Y P O N D one word. Check out all of his content at actionnetwork.com. Should have a few pieces coming out over the next couple of days as we get through Kentucky Oaks Day and into the Kentucky Derby Saturday. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Sean. See you soon.
That's the show for today. Thanks so much to our guests, Brian Patton, Mike Conti, and Jeremy Pond. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Download the show and listen on Spotify. Best of luck this weekend. And of course, may the horse gods be with you. We're finished talking.